Hello and welcome back to the Future of Figure Skating. My guest today is Kathy Reed. With her brother, Chris Reed, Kathy was a seven-time Japanese national champion in ice dance and a two-time Olympian. Since her retirement in 2015, Kathy has become a coach and choreographer and has worked with many of the top Japanese singles, pairs, and ice dance teams. I was so excited to talk with her about her career and about the development of dance and pairs disciplines in Japan. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi, it's so great to be here. <laughs> Very excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you and just learn a little bit about what you've been doing recently with your coaching and your choreography. It seems like you've been busy in a bunch of ways, and I'd love to learn more about it. Um, yeah, so I, I am very busy. <laughs> I work a lot here. So I work at the Kinoshita Academy in Uchi, Kyoto. Um, the head coach there is uh, Mia Hamada, and she's a very well-known singles coach uh, in Japan. And she's worked with many top uh, single skaters. And the skater she has right now is the current world junior champion, Mao Shimada. And then she also has Hana Yoshida and Ayumi Shibayama and uh, Shunsuke Nakamura. So, and many, many other uh, talented uh, single skaters at the academy. So I work with all the single skaters. I do uh, lots of skating skills, exercises with them. Um, and I also do choreography for them as well. I make their programs. And then at the academy, we also have a uh, pair and ice dance teams, which is super exciting. It's a great environment where all disciplines of figure skating can practice and enjoy uh, working together. This year, we have two new pair teams. We have a senior team, Yuna Nakagaoka, Sumitara Moriguchi, and then a junior team, Saya Shimizu and Lucas Tsuyoshi Honda. And then uh, we have a new senior ice dance team, Utana Yoshida and Masaya Morita. It's been a lot of fun working with three couples all together on the ice, even if they're different disciplines. I've been really uh, enjoying working with with all the couples and the single skaters. So it's it's been it's a, it's busy time right now, but it's also a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And it, it seems fairly unusual. We know that those pair and dance disciplines are less common in Japan, and it's unusual to have a school like that where there are all of those skaters involved. How did that come about, or what is it that's allowing you all to be able to have more disciplines? So Kinoshita Academy is sponsored by Kinoshita Group, and uh, that company is also the sponsor for the current uh, world pair champions, Riku and Yuchi. The president of that company, he also sponsored me and Chris when we were skating, and he was also sponsoring uh, Kana and Chris when they were skating together. So he's always been interested in supporting ice dance and pair couples of figure skating, as well as single skaters. He supports many different types of sports, not just figure skating, but I think what what sets him apart is that he's he's willing to support pair and ice dance, which is not as popular in Japan at the moment still. And so I'm very, very grateful to him for creating this academy and creating a, a training location where pair and ice dance couples can form and can train and can work. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, that's fantastic. When you're working with new teams that are coming together like that, what are some of the challenges for forming the team and getting them started? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of patience because a lot of the, the teams that form here in Japan, they're mostly single skaters. They come from, from singles. And so 
partnering and tracking is it's very new and very foreign to them. So it takes time to understand and uh, and patience. But as long as as you approach it with a positive attitude and an open mind and uh, you know, you're not afraid to make mistakes or look silly. Like, I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, you have to enjoy what you do. So that is first and foremost. It's interesting watching even when people are very, very talented skaters, that there is that learning process of how to move along with somebody else and to to match yourself and to have that awareness. It's completely different. Yeah, I think that is the biggest struggle from going from singles to pair ice dance is, is knowing that you're skating with somebody else and uh, there's someone there with you out there on the ice. And not only do you have to skate and sync with them, but interact with them. And so it's a different, uh, it's a different setting for sure. You know, I've heard a couple of skaters recently from, you know, all, the, all over the world mention the example of Daisuke Takahashi uh, having success transitioning from singles to dance as an inspiration. I know Lai Majerov from Sweden mentioned that and some others. Do you feel like their example, I mean, obviously you and Chris were, and they've had great Japanese dance teams before, but do you think that that example of seeing somebody move from singles to dance is helping to inspire more young skaters to want to get into it in Japan? Well, I can only hope so. Uh, it's still difficult to say. I think still the biggest challenge in Japan is getting skaters interested in doing ice dance in pairs. Since singles is very, very popular here in Japan, there are so many great and talented single skaters, lots of great stars, you know, Olympic medalists. And so single skating is very, very popular. And, and also everyone wants to do it. Everyone wants to be the next Yuzu Dohanyo, the next Maosadas. It's hard to get kids interested in, in other disciplines. And while I, I understand the appeal of single skating, and I love single skating too, but you know, everyone has their, has different strengths. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for leaders and also coaches to know their strengths and what, what is possible for them, what other opportunities lie for them. So I think it's important for, for skaters and for coaches to have an open mind. And I, I hope that coaches in Japan will be open to show students that there are other opportunities and uh, find the best path for each student. So, yeah, but uh, I commend Daisuke Takahashi for what he has done for Japanese ice dance in the three years that he has skated with Kana. I mean, he was competing against couples who have been skating together since they were kids. And he's what, what he's done in the three years is just incredible. And it's not an easy thing to go from singles to, to ice dance. He did very, very well. But he was a dancer anyway to begin with when he was doing single skating. So it wasn't a surprise or it was, uh, you know, I didn't think that, oh, he wouldn't be able to do it. No, I, I you know, if he put his mind to it, he could totally do it. And he did. So I only hope that future skaters can see what he did and, you know, follow his example. See, you mentioned just the lack of popularity and the relative lack of support. What are some of the other um, things that you think would need to happen in order to grow ice dance in Japan? Well, the training environment is one thing. The rinks in Japan are limited. They're not as many as there are like in the States or in Canada. And so finding ice time is, is incredibly difficult, even for single skaters in Japan. Uh, it's not uncommon to see top Japanese skaters skating in public sessions sometimes. It's just whatever ice time is available, whenever they can skate, kids skate. So if single skaters 
a hard time. It's even more difficult for, for couples, for pairs and ice dance, because what they do requires a lot of space and uh, it's not possible to do in public sessions. So you have to, you know, buy ice time and it's incredibly expensive here in Japan. So, uh, definitely in the environment, the ice time is an issue. And also coaches, there are not that many pairs or ice dance coaches in Japan. So that's why a lot of the top Japanese ice dance and pair teams are training abroad because that's where the coaches are. That's where the training bases are. So I think the Kinoshita Academy hopefully one day will be a great training base for, for all disciplines and hopefully we'll grow more from here. Yeah, yeah. And I was impressed and I you know this has been going on for a long time with Kinoshita that they've been bringing in international coaches and choreographers sessions as well. I know that Stefan Lambiel was there for a while earlier this year. And yes, yes, Stefan Lambiel. Gislan was also here. Yeah. yeah. And Caitlin Weaver just came to do some. Caitlin Weaver was here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so great to not only work with uh, those talented coaches and choreographers, but you know, to see them and for the kids to see them with their own eyes, what they do every day. Like it's 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 eye-opening and it's it's such a great opportunity so um we're very very grateful for that <laughs> yeah it's really nice to see that kind of international collaboration for the skaters as well i heard from a couple of the european skaters that went along to skate in japan how impressed they were with the the training and intensity of work in japan and were very inspired by that oh that's so great to hear seeing all those skaters from uh, from switzerland and from other countries come and, and work with the Japanese skaters like even if there was a language barrier everyone was you know good friends and they enjoyed skating with one another and training with one another so to see that is 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 just wonderful I think it's always important in figure skating to have connections with other coaches you know other training places other skaters and because you know it's, it's a community and that having those connections only helps you helps you grow I was actually really also surprised to hear that there aren't as many rinks in Japan with how popular skating is there, but I suppose it also takes a certain amount of decades of catching up in order to be able to build that infrastructure. Space and, and money <laughs> is an issue and it, it's just very expensive and uh, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. So I think that's also why most, if not all of those Japanese skaters are such hard workers because they don't have plentiful time of skating of training so what time they do have they train so hard and so the work ethic here is extraordinary so working with these athletes i i'm just always so surprised at how much they soak up <laughs> and learn and work yeah it's great to see yeah that is really impressive with that strength of so many of the single skaters as well and building their skating skills, it's great to see that you work with them. Do you think it's more common that there is a focus on like on skating skills at a young age? I guess I'm thinking about how when I look at, you know, for example, most of the Japanese skaters coming up through juniors are really quite advanced compared to many of the skaters from other countries when it comes to skating skills and expression and some of those qualities well I don't know how it is at other clubs or other coaches coaching schools but Mia Hamada she she stresses a lot of uh, she stresses a lot on skating skills and basics um the foundations of skating are extremely important no matter what discipline you do and I, I totally agree with that 100 percent so every day 
all disciplines start off with some some skating exercises like every single day something new something different something uh, maybe repetitive but you know it enforces these basics and it's important to do it throughout your career not just when you're starting out um even when you're up in the ranks and seniors like i come from experience like we did basics every single day so that shouldn't change and stressing that will only help and um, improve your skating and make you stronger. Yeah. I'm always as a coach too. I'm always, I'm always trying to learn and trying to try new things and test my skaters, challenge them, you know, create different stuff, combinations or stuff with music and sometimes stuff that are fun, sometimes stuff that are more demanding or sometimes stuff that makes them think like it's important to always challenge your students and to to challenge them to learn in different ways. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's something that I I know for myself as a skater, I've appreciated more and more as I get older, spending time on, on those basics and going back to it and feeling, wanting to be creative with that part of it. Um, and I think it just continues to oh, yeah. reward oh, you yeah. the more that no, you go sure. into it. For sure. <laughs> You know, thinking about the development of dance in Japan, I was thinking back to the program that you and Chris did back in 2010, showing Japanese folk dance. Um, and it's a great program. And curious sort of what that process was like for you trying to make the translation of that into an ice dance form. And just in general, um, how you see the ability to bring Japanese cultural themes or dance or music and all different forms of it um, into um, the skating world. So that that program is probably one of my favorite programs that I ever did with Chris. Uh, It sticks out. And we also performed that at the Olympics too. So it's just incredibly special. So traditional Japanese folk dance is usually not uh, with a male and female dancer dancing together. So we kind of just made it up. But uh, we did study um, Japanese folk dance and we, we took lessons while we were in New York City with, uh, with some Japanese folk dancing instructors. And we worked how to use the fan, the sensu. And then we also worked on, you know, the positions of the, the subtle positions of the hands, the head, how you walk, how you step, how you, you look at things. And it's just very, very subtle movements, but it's very, very unique. And to kind of combine all those things as well as wearing the traditional kimono as well it just created something unique and special and something that meant a lot to us and um my costume was actually a kimono that I wore at a banquet for NHK the previous year. I fell in love with that that color. I thought it was bright and vibrant. So um, I asked my mother to buy it for me. So she bought it for me and she chopped the bottom of it off. She was like saying sorry. She was running the scissors through it. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's not cheap. It's it's silk and <laughs> it's very expensive. Yeah, she she made that costume for me and she made me an obi, the, the band that were across my waist and Chris's costume had a seal a crest a white kind of a symbol on his uh black robe and that was a family crest symbol of my mother's side of the family so it, it was still very very special for him and to wear that in competition so yeah it was a special program it meant a lot to us and 
At that time too, we were allowed to use props on the ice. I think that was the last season for that too. <laughs> it was a risk for both of us, not just one, but both of us to, to be holding fans out on the ice and not drop them. There were times where I would, I would hold his as well as, you know, holding mine and uh, we'd, we'd open and close them and do dance work with them. So it was, it was challenging. It was a busy program, but uh, I had so much fun performing it. One of my favorites. That was a wonderful program. And I, I love seeing something different being brought to the dance world where so much of skating in general that comes out of sort of a ballet or a ballroom dance that's in a very, very Western tradition. And it's really interesting to be able to see how other art forms can be brought into it in ways that are that are you know, deeply connected and not just, you know, superficially putting on the costume or the music. I think that's like the goal right now is to bring something new to the table, to to inspire, to to show a different side of figure skating, to attract viewers, to do something different, do something out of the box, you know, capture people's attention, do something captivating. Like that is how you should approach to figure skating. I think always go for something, something new and different. And it's more exciting and it's more enjoyable. And I'm all for that. All for that. I've noticed more Japanese skaters that are using music from Japanese composers or being open to, you know, putting things out there that aren't only the memoirs of the geisha or the like the things that, yes, you know, the things yes. that are like known outside of Japan, yes, but yes. Um, you know, not that comes with a risk maybe that it's not something that's pretty familiar, but um, I'm. Yes. I'm yeah. I, I understand. Like I, I love classical programs and I have nothing against it, but I'm always going to, you know, try to push for something different or try to search for something different or listen to different muse, different types of genres of music and styles and bring something new to the table or suggest something to the skater or coach. And well, while they may turn it down or uh, they may not like it, or then I just try so something different you know I'm always trying to kind of seed things in and see if they could uh, be open to it or not sometimes yes it works sometimes it doesn't but you know as long as you keep trying and and I think the skating world you know now with you being able to use vocal music as well like you're seeing so many different types of programs now and it's way it's way more exciting way more exciting and now with the rhythm dance having the theme of the 80s like it's going to be super cool. I cannot wait to see everyone's programs. Like I'm enjoying it so much. It's so funny because I'm sure a lot of the teams that are, are doing the rhythm dance right now, like they don't even, they weren't even live doing the eighties. So they don't really even know what it's like. Yeah. So I was a baby during the eighties, but to go back to that era, to listen to all the great music, watch movies from that era, like it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm I am very excited for it. I think it's cool. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to it. It's been interesting to see what people like. Only if only a very few skaters have put out their music choices so far. I know that mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Tim and Masato put out Ghostbusters like so early, and I thought that was like you're claiming it. You're like I mean, Ghostbusters. Yeah, I cannot wait to see it. <laughs> 
but I'm excited and I'm excited yeah you know there's so many great music to choose from so I'm waiting to see if anyone is willing to be like risk to to take a risk and do something like from new wave like Smiths or the Cure or something like that I think that would be I think it'd be fun if somebody was gonna like take something that was not you know we were gonna see a lot of Michael Jackson and Madonna and that's gonna be fantastic but I'm like there's a lot of different music from the 80s whoever they are if somebody goes for that like yeah that out of the box choice they will be I will have to be rooting for them just I'm sure there will be there's so many great music to choose from and in different styles that's such a broad theme so yeah I kind of feel like I want to go come back come back to compete just to just to do an 80s program (laughs) oh man I think you should I think you should find a partner and choreograph something you don't know don't have to compete but if you put it out there you know people would my little this is like my slice of 80s (laughs) yeah with the rhythm dances while we're on that subject what do you think about the change away from having the pattern dance as a required element and some of those technical changes that have been coming recently? So I grew up with pattern dances. In my day, we called them compulsories. And I loved, I loved doing them. I loved doing compulsories. And when Chris and I were competing, we had the separate compulsory event. So we had the compulsory event first, then the original dance, and then the free dance. So I grew up watching Usava and, and Zulin's uh, compulsory dance videos and uh, and I practiced, we practiced them every single day. So I think it's a little sad to take them out from the senior rhythm dance. I can understand, I understand the reason as why they did it, but I, in my opinion, pattern dances are like the figures of single skating. Like it's like, it's the essence of ice dance. And it is not easy to do. These pattern dances are difficult. It involves a lot of um, partnering skills, tracking, and a lot of practice. And it's a very clear indicator of the skill level of the team. So uh, I think I think it's sad to take it out. I do. But I understand that dance is a very difficult discipline to understand. The rules are very complicated. And for the viewer, I can understand that it may be a little bit boring to watch 30 teams doing the Tango Romantica or something. I understand that, but we'll see. I am very excited about the choreo samba that uh, they put out for this season's rhythm dance for the seniors and the juniors. They have the rocker foxtrot with one with one rocker being the traditional traditional holds, but variations of holds not during the key points. And the second pattern of rocker to switch for the man doing the lady steps and the lady steps doing the man steps. So it's some stuff like that. It's creative. It's a lot of fun. As long as they're still incorporating pattern dances, I'm I'm, I'm okay. And it's still, you know, you're still having to do them as you come up through the ranks. It's not like True. getting rid of figures from, true, 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 from true. singles where they disappeared for everyone across the board you're still having to learn it at a younger age exactly exactly no it's it's incredibly important for for young couples to, to continue doing pattern dances as well to to grow as a couple to improve um their their skills and for tests and for competition i think it's it's important it's a skill set you have to have for sure 
I've thought a lot about um, my own journey of trying to understand Ice Dance as a viewer and as somebody who you know, tries to cover it more as a journalist because I was a single skater and now I do pairs, but so Ice Dance was always not the, the discipline that I understood. And so I was, you know, one of those people who judges it purely based on vibes. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that was fun. I like that. That was great, you know? And so now trying to actually understand it from a technical perspective, I do find it interesting mm-hmm. to try to watch teams doing same things next to each other sometimes it's interesting to watch even during the the warm-ups when you put them on the ice at the same time Um, and so I have thought a little bit about when there are tv broadcasts or for the olympics or something what they could be doing to try to educate the viewers about what does it mean to be skating well and hold what does it mean to be generating speed or having a clean turn because I think that they're, they're they could be doing more to help people be informed viewers of the technical side than we often get no for sure it's not as as clear or as obvious as single skating, you know, if you land a jump or if you land a throw in pair skating. So I, I understand the difficulty, you know, there are, there are a lot more rules involved in ice dance and, and it can be subjective at times, you know, you know, a lot of couples these days, they skate so well, they skate, you know, technically like perfect most of the time. So what differentiates, how do you differentiate, you know, this couple versus this couple, you know, why is this couple higher than this couple? They both look great. Like it's very, very difficult, but it comes down to the little things, the little details. And so knowing those rules, it's, it's uh, necessary. In any way, I think ISU can provide some sort of way to to educate um, the fans or the viewers, I think is is, is only going to help we'll watch the sport better. What do you think about the potential change to have teams of any gender being able to compete in dance? I think why not? Everyone should have the right to artistic freedom of, uh, of expression. I mean, every person is unique, and I think it doesn't matter what gender you are everyone should have the the right to express themselves if they want to skaters who are involved in figure skating they do this for the love of the sport and i don't think we should limit that love for the sport based upon gender art is art sport is sport let people do what they want to do it'll only help the sport too you'll see more more teams more skaters more people showing their love for the sport so i really think why not plain and simple (laughs) you know i have several solo ice dance girls don't have partners right now and seeing them skate every day it's hard to keep their motivation up you know it's just not the same skating with with someone and skating alone and it's very difficult and I to be honest I I don't really know that feeling because I never experienced it myself I always had my brother my brother and I were always skating together I don't know from experience what that is like my sister on the other hand she went through several partners so and there there was a time she was partnerless and she actually took a break from skating for like two years or so. And she, she told me later that she went to an event to watch Chris uh, compete with Kana. And she was like, why am I not out there? I love doing this. This is what I want to do. And luckily she was able to find a partner and she's now skating, you know, with him, with Saul and uh, they're doing so well. They were seventh in the world, last world championships. And uh, I'm so incredibly proud of her. There are so many talented ice dancers out there, but, you know, they're not given the chance because they just don't have a partner and it's not their fault or anything. It's just the way the rules are right now. And uh, I think having teams of, of any gender is, is a great opportunity to see more, more great skating.
Yeah, I'm really hoping that we'll see some more teams in Canada where it's on the table. I cannot wait. I think it really opens the door and will only help the sport broaden and be more interesting for people to watch as, as well as do. So I'm really excited to see it. I really am. When I was thinking about how rules around gender impact teams and thinking about your career with Chris, you also had the experience, I believe, of going from having to go directly from novice to senior because you were too old to be in junior at the time. And the rules there, the man is allowed to stay junior until 21, but woman only until 18. You obviously, you can't know how things would have been different if the rules were different, but thinking about you were that an, a couple that had that rule impact your career. Um, do you think that that should be even for any team? Yeah, I actually, I don't understand the reason as to why girls, you know, their age limit is lower than men's. I don't see the reasoning behind that. I think that it's fair to have the same age, just set at the same age. If it's 19, it's 19 for both men and women. If it's 21, it's 21. When Chris and I won US no Novice Nationals, I was 18, he was 16. We were late bloomers, <laughs> but from there, we, we went from winning novice nationals to working on the golden waltz, which is probably one of the most difficult pattern dances <laughs> in ice dance. <laughs> I just remember how difficult it was. And uh, I was like, wow, I hope we can get through this. Um, it, it was a lot of work that season to go from novice to senior. No matter, I think, what the rules are, skaters will do whatever they can because they love the sport. We worked hard and we did it, but... You know, looking back, do I wish if I had the opportunity, would I skate junior? Of course I would. In a heartbeat, I would. That junior stage into seniors is extremely important. And it's important, you know, not just for your skill level, but also for the health of your body as well. Yes, you know, kids, you know, they grow in, in different stages in different ways and everyone's different, but we also have to protect skaters at a certain age, at a certain level, what's good for them. And um, so I think it, it'd be fair if it's the same age. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we had a coaches meeting after Junior Worlds and that discussion did pop up. So I have a lot of people were for the same age. So we'll see what uh, ISU will do with that. It's an interesting question with all of those age restrictions, because it's one thing when it's looking at single skaters and wanting to set what the appropriate age transition is from junior to senior. And then we end up seeing quite a few parent dance teams with big age gaps and whether you think that's an issue or not, then that's certainly a reality, yeah. but then how do they fit in? you don't want to push people into senior too quickly but then it also gets very strange having people in their 20s like in the same competition with 13 year olds so there's a balance there that's complicated exactly it's very complicated it's a sensitive topic <laughs> but i think also every discipline is different and the peak age in every discipline is also different so that also has to be taken into consideration it's also important for the skaters that they are healthy and that they advance to the next level in a, in a healthy way and at the right time for them. It's all individual and it's all, and it's also the responsibility of the coach. Um, so I just hope that, you know, people are educated in that and make the right decisions. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, the difficult topic. Yeah. I think that's something we often run into is it's easy to make a rule in theory. And then you see that rule impacting actual teams in existence and then how, yeah, yeah 
how that it then changes how you think about it. And certainly, I think, again, this came up with pairs quite a bit this year in the junior level. And I think that was not on people's minds when the conversation about raising the age limit was coming up. It was a big discussion. I, I remember I was there at that meeting. So yeah, it was a big discussion. It's complicated. For dance, I just think the same age would make more sense. If not, then yeah, I guess it is what it is. Do you have advice for other brother, sister, sibling teams about how to be successful? There's some particular challenges and maybe it's some advantages as well that could come from being in that kind of a partnership. Uh, yeah, I had a wonderful career with my brother, Chris. It was a very, very special career. I mean, not many people can say that they had a long career with their with their sibling and they went to the Olympics with their sibling or you know, several world championships, like it was an incredible experience, an incredible journey. And it's not something that you see every day and or you get to experience quite often. It's a wonderful thing. It's a special thing to be able to share something like that with your sibling, with your family. It's not without its challenges though. I mean, there were days where we fought or we were at odds or we butted heads. And, you know, being siblings, you know, how to take each other off very easily. Not hard to do. <laughs> so yeah, Chris and I had our fair share of fights and our ups and downs days, which we did not want to see each other, but I wouldn't take anything back. I had such a great, a great time with him. all my memories, whether, you know, there were fights or not, like they were all grown up wonderful memories with my brother. I think one of the most challenging parts though, was that even if you are brother and sister on the ice, you don't see each other as brother and sister. You see each other as partners, but everyone else knows when they're watching you that you're brother and sister. So the music choice, the program choice was, was difficult. You know, we couldn't go down the path of like a Romeo and Juliet program or something like that, where a lot of other couples could easily do. So finding the right music that suits us, but also conveys the story that we want to tell as, you know, with people knowing the fact that we're brother and sister was a challenge, but was also very interesting and fun to, to think about. I think if you have the opportunity to skate with your sibling, why not? have fun, be patient, <laughs> be kind, be nice to each other, but also you won't, you know, I don't think you will regret it. Like you will, it's a special thing to share that, that kind of a journey with your sibling. I have two siblings, I have a brother and sister, and, you know, we all got to experience our first Olympics all together. So it was a family experience, our first Olympics. And that was just incredible. We never thought going into the sport that we would go to the Olympics. Like that never entered my mind at all. We just loved, we just enjoyed skating. But the more we kept at it, the more we enjoyed it and practiced hard. Like, you know, we got that opportunity to compete at the Olympics together. Incredibly special. Oh, I love that. And I love seeing that there are both of the Czech teams, the Browns, you know, there's some really fantastic teams. And I was really thinking about that with the Tashlers programs this year, that they did such interesting programs and they're such a unique team. And that not only that they're siblings that pushes them in that direction, but like they've been able to take some really interesting artistic choices and some risks that maybe another team that had more sort of safe romantic options to pursue, they might not have gone in that direction. Yeah, exactly. It's important for each team to explore their style and to also explore and play with their strengths, see what interesting programs or concepts they can come up with. And I think that's, it's a risk, but it's also interesting. It's also fun. It also sets you apart. 
And that's what you want to do when you get higher up in the ranks in ice dance. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask you about choreography a little bit as well and some of the differences for doing choreography across the different disciplines. I really liked the the Paris program you did last year, the Beatles medley. I thought it was really fun and just some of the work that you've done in that discipline has been great. But, you know, as you look at choreographing for Paris teams versus dance versus singles, you know, how do you approach those different disciplines? It's difficult because there are all the disciplines are very, very different. The rules are also very different. Common thing that I have when I choreograph is that I need to know the skater. I need to know what they're like, what their personality is, what their style is. It's very, very important for me to understand who they are as a person, not just as a skater as well. So I can bring out the best in them. So even though I'm choreographing them and creating steps, I want my choreography to reflect them and and show who they are. So knowing that, I think that's how I choose the music. That's how I envision that image for the skater. But it's challenging. It's very challenging. But I, I always hope that I always try to find music that will allow them to show the, you know, their best versions of themselves out there on the ice. With singles, the choreography, it's its way more easier than to do for couples and, and dance. Um, since it's just one person, guys the limit. You can do so many different things, different tempos. And uh, so singles, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, it's way easier than choreographing for, for dance or pairs. Uh, so I, I enjoy it. You know, my whole life I was skating with Chris. And to go from that to skating by myself and doing things by myself, it was a transition. It was difficult and different, very different at first. When I got invited to choreograph for, for Mia Hamada and her students, when she first asked me, I never choreographed a program in my life. So she was taking a risk on me, but I knew it was an amazing opportunity and I knew it was something that I wanted to pursue. So I'm very, very grateful to her for giving me that opportunity and also helping me and supporting my teaching and choreography career in Japan. So um, yeah, I've just been doing choreography every year. It was mostly for singles at first. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to, you know, create interesting and new programs and push the boundaries. It's been a lot of fun working with so many different talented uh, Japanese skaters. And then for pairs, I've never really worked with pairs before or even watched the discipline that much before. Um, but now that we have pair couples at the academy, Mia Hamada asked me to choreograph for them. And I was like, okay, I have to study up on the rules. So um, now, yeah, I'm studying a lot about pairs and watching a lot of videos about pairs and uh and, you know, it's, it's not all that different from ice by, you know, skating, skating wise, you know, so I, the pair couples and the, the dance couple that I, that we have at the academy, they train together. We do exercises all together. There's nothing different with that. But as far as choreography goes, yeah, pair programs are way easier to choreograph than dance. Uh, you can do anything you want. You can be separate. You can be together. You can separate for, you know, as long as you want, or you can be together as long as you want. And, you know, you can do lifts and hold them for several seconds. You don't have to worry about the time limit really or anything. So there's a lot more freedom. Um, so actually I choreographed both the short and free for the two new pair couples um, at the academy for this season and I had so much fun doing it it was a lot of fun <laughs> 
So I really hope that everyone enjoys their new programs. I found really cool music. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, to see yeah, how they do this season. For dance, it's complicated. You have to know the rules. And the rules change every year. So you've got to keep studying them every single season. I was lucky enough to work with Caitlin when she was here. And so she was able to help me uh, choreograph Utana and Masaya's rhythm dance. And I'm very, very excited. I, I love the program that we made together. And yeah, I'm very excited to see that uh, being performed this season. I'm so looking forward to seeing all of these programs. That sounds so exciting. And I mean, what a gift it is also for those hair teams to be able to train together with dance teams. I think that is it's really one of the things that sets apart the best pair teams are the ones that skate like an ice dance team. Yeah, it's, I think it's very important. Yes, you do jumps, you do elements and you have to be solid on those. But those transitions between the, the elements, it's to make those seamless and effortless with expression, with connection with each other and to the music to do that. If you look like an ice dance team, like that's just a plus and that gets you up there. So, and with the, with being, with single skaters in Japan being so talented with their jumps and their skating skills, like the transition into pairs is actually really not all that difficult. You have to, yeah, learn the pair elements and that will take time, but it's possible. And there's talent here. So um, it's definitely exciting to see where this will go. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I mean, I think that there, given that there are so many incredibly talented skaters that we often don't get to see as much on the international level, yeah. just because the, the pool of talent is so large. I do hope that eventually that will help to motivate yes, more skaters to more want skaters to go into the other to Go to Paris, yeah, or, or Ice Dance, yeah. The talent pool here is, is just insane. Tons of novice skaters who are, you know, doing triples already. Like, it's just, it's just incredible, the talent here. You know, spots are limited to compete internationally in singles, so it's very, very difficult. It's So the nationals here in Japan, it's like a very, very high level competition and a very exciting one to watch because there's just, you know, there's such great talent, so many great skaters. And so I really do hope that, you know, more interest will be in, into pairs and ice dance because mm -hmm. the talent here in Japan, it, they're totally capable of having great couples. But I just think things take time. You know, you got to take things step by step with whatever you do. Yeah. And it takes, I mean, it takes time and it takes building that culture that values those disciplines and that celebrates them yeah. as well. And it's, you know, one of the things yeah. that I found very interesting in talking to many, in particular, many new Paris skaters is that, you know, maybe it was an injury or something that wasn't going right in their singles career that forced them into trying pairs. And, you know, I talked to so many people who were like, people kept telling me I should do pairs mm -hmm. and I resisted it for years and years and years. And then when they try it, discover like how much they actually enjoy yeah. it and how much they like it. And so the idea that having more opportunities for people to just try out different disciplines earlier in the career. Exactly. Being open to try is seriously what is the key, is the key. I myself started out doing singles. I did not want to do ice dance. I thought it was so boring. I didn't, I had no, I had zero interest in ice dance. My mom, my mom was actually doing it. She suggested to me, she also suggested to Chris as well. And, you know, we were still very young at the time, but she was like, why did you guys just skate together and try it? And when we did, we just had a lot of fun. Like, oh, this is fun. I like doing this. And so it's, it's just trying. It's just getting kids to try something different, something new and see what they think. And that initial push is important. So I hope that opportunity will be more available to skaters.
I want to ask you maybe it's maybe a hard question because I don't expect that you have an answer to it, but if you have an opinion, why do you think that skating is so popular overall in Japan? And are there any lessons about that that we can take growing the popularity more worldwide? Of course, there were so many past stars from Japan, like Midori Ito. But I think when figure skating started being really popular was from when Shizuka Arakawa won uh, the Olympics. Uh, I think it was in 2006, Torino. Yeah, that was like a turning point. Like from there, it just skyrocketed and uh, it's having a star. I think that's what what it really is. And since Shizuka, there's been Maosada, there's been Daisuke Takahashi and Yuzuru Hanyu and Shoma Uno and, and having those stars, those faces that people can recognize and cheer and be fans of, I think is what really, really made skating so popular here in Japan. And it still is. And now, even if there are so many great stars, there's so many other great figure skaters to be fans of, to choose from. So it's not just those specific stars in general, but there's so many great talented skaters and the fans just fell in love, not just with the sport, but with the skaters themselves. And I think skaters from all countries re realize that whenever they come to Japan, how special it is to perform in front of the Japanese people. They're, the fans here, they're so supportive. They're so respectful. They cheer for every, every country's athletes. And to see that, it's just so wonderful. I think it's a very, very special thing to see in a sport. It is. I just was talking to a friend who toured for a while with Disney on Ice and did the Japan tour. And they're saying just how amazing the tour was and how supportive and excited. And that's, you know, a tour that doesn't necessarily get the same kind of reputation, like big name skaters, very talented skaters, but they're not, you know, they're not the competitive elite that are going into that tour. But to see that that support also translate to that kind of skating as well is impressive. Yeah, the theme of the podcast is around how do we make skating healthier and more inclusive? And those are very broad categories. But I'm curious if you have thoughts about how we do that, how we can make the sport a better place for the athletes. I think the most important thing, because we wouldn't have this sport if it, you know, without the athletes, the athletes are the sport. I think the most important thing for athletes is a positive environment positive place where they can work and train and, and improve as an athlete, but also they spend many hours of their lives training this sport. So it has to not only be a positive environment for them to train as an athlete, but for as a person to, to enjoy it, They're spending most of their, their childhood, their lives at the ice rink training. They do it. They, they want to do it because they love doing it. They love the sport. So having an environment where it's healthy, where it's positive, where you can go in and feel safe and feel open to talk about your feelings or your your insecurities or or anything really. I worked with many different coaches when I was competing with Chris and I think I've taken all my experiences from all those coaches and it's made me the coach that I am today and that I want to be and everything that I experienced that maybe that I didn't like, or that wasn't good, or that was dangerous to my health or my mental health. I've taken all those experiences with me to help provide a better environment for my students. So it's, it's only helped me, but I just hope that other coaches around the world too, that they think the same way and that 
they're providing a healthy, positive environment for their students. Because I think that's the most, it's the most important thing, the most important thing, having a safe place where, where athletes can train and enjoy their lives, enjoy their, their sport that they love doing. That balance of how to, even in a incredibly competitive environment, even with all of the, as you were talking about, limited training time and that, you know, desire to work very, very hard and to get those limited spots, there still has to be room for individuality and for people's own individual experiences and yeah. must create some pressures that you have to work against in those spaces too. For sure. This sport, there's so much pressure and stress when it comes to the sport. It's not only a physical sport, it's a mental sport. And you know, you have four minutes to do to do the best you can. You train all year for those four minutes to to get that spot or to to win that medal. It's a lot of stress and it's a lot of mental preparation. But having a positive environment, having the right people around you to support you in you know in a healthy way is extremely important. You need to have that um, that support system. I'm so glad that you can be there and take your experiences into providing that for others. It's great that we've been able to keep you in the sport in these ways. I'm very grateful for, you know, the opportunity to still be a part of the sport, to give back to Japanese ice dance and to to teach the future generations of uh, of skaters for Japan. Like it's like another dream come true for me. Yeah, I'm very very grateful. Is there anything that we haven't talked about or that you want to revisit? Get the last word. Talked about a lot of different things. What hasn't changed for me since competing and uh, now becoming a coach and choreographer is my love for this sport. And even though this sport is constantly changing, evolving, rules changing with health issues, mental issues, you know, uh, so many different things that are happening within the sport. I think the most important thing is that you never lose, you know, the love that you have for this sport. And uh, every day I go, I go to work with a smile on my face and I enjoy what I do. And so as long as, you know, skaters have that, coaches have that, officials have that, like, that's the most important thing. It's about the sport. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about it and good luck for the coming season. Oh, no, thank you. I had so much fun. <laughs> it was great to talk to you and to revisit some things that I haven't thought about maybe in a long time too. So thank you so much. Thank you again to Kathy for being so generous with her time and expertise. I hope this will be the first of many episodes looking at skating from a perspective outside of North America and Western Europe. As always, if you have ideas for people I should talk to, you can reach me with comments or suggestions by email at fsfuturepodcast.gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at futurefspodcast. You can follow Kathy on Instagram at CMR2070 and the Kinoshita Academy at Kinoshita underscore skate underscore academy. The Future Figure Skating is also co-hosting a summer book club in collaboration with Anything GOE. We're reading Little Girls in Pretty Boxes by Joan Ryan, and you can join the discussion on the Anything GOE Discord by signing up at patreon.com slash anything GOE. If you appreciate the podcast, you can also support my work with a tip jar at futurefigureskating.pinecast.co. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use and share it with your friends.